Broadcasting to Ottawa Senator fans around the world. Around the world. It's the Sins Nation Podcast. And now, here's Steve Warren. All right, welcome to the Sens Nation podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And normally, normally, this is where I would do all the Sens headlines and what's coming up on the show. And there is only one headline this week, though. The slump is over! Yeah! Okay, that's a bit bit too much cheerleading there. The nine-game skid is done. Sens win 3-2 over Montreal. And uh, yeah, let's get at it. Uh, my name is Steve Warren, ladies and gentlemen, as Big Voice said a moment ago, and of course, joined as always by the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? Very good, Steve. It's a great night, isn't it? Finally. <laughs> oh, I'll say. It's been a long haul, and weren't you a little, just a little worried as the Sens win 3-2 over Montreal, that they were somehow going to fritter that away, not just in a you know 3-1 lead and losing it in the conventional sense. We've seen no oh, two-goal lead, the worst lead in hockey, the most dangerous lead in hockey, some people say. But to, it, there was a chance there for a moment that they were going to give up two shorthanded goals to lose <laughs> the lead. I was a little worried about that, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was watching the game here in the uh, in the great room. When you live in a mansion, it's not a living room. It's called a great room. So right. I was in, in the great room watching it with the uh, the two newest boys who were here from Ontario, one from Ottawa, actually. We were watching the game together. And after the second period, when they were up 3-1, to one, I said, well, this will be interesting, a whole new way for them to lose a game this year. So, so yeah, I was yeah. I was not getting too confident or too cocky in any way, shape, or form, but uh, they they really shut things down uh, except for that last little wild four or five minutes. Um, I was very impressed with the way they played the second period and especially the way they played the third period. Yeah, same here. Before we get into the uh, the details of the game, um, I think between last week and this week, Greg, we've seen a changing of attitude, uh, a softening of things in that we've seen Artem Zub play his first game of the season, the first game in the NHL, let alone the Ottawa Senators. And we've also seen the addition of Eric Brandstrom, who, since we last spoke, was called up by the club, whereas Braden Coburn has been placed on waivers. Um, I think you would. I think most Sens fans, I think a breath of fresh air time, that defense really, really needed a shot in the arm, didn't it? Oh, so so much better, and 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 it's interesting. I call it uh, revisionist history. I don't know, but suddenly now there's a piece of footage out there that says that has DJ Smith saying that the plan all along was for the Sens to leave uh, Brandstrom off the roster because he didn't have a training camp. We'll let him skate with the American League boys at the Sens Plex, and we will bring him up at the end of the road trip. Apparently, that was the plan all along. So. He came into play tonight, and he looked very good. Why wouldn't you communicate that with your fan base, especially well, when things were going as sideways? Yeah, the, the footage apparently is from uh, is from the drive on January, the drive on TSN 1200 in Ottawa uh, from January the 20th, I think it is. Uh, find it oh. somewhere. I think, yeah. I, I, I Just before we came on the air, I was going through Twitter, and uh, there it was, and I, there might even be a link to the show that day. And the guy said it's at the 20-minute mark. So apparently that that was the case all along and and, and was announced at some point, I guess. Um, the oh, bigger, oh. the bigger, yeah, the, but the bigger one to me was the, the difference of, of uh, Zub versus Coburn. You've got a, a, a guy who's how much younger in Zub? He's maybe not as big, but he's certainly big enough. He's physical. 
but he brings some mobility and agility that that Coburn doesn't bring um, and and looks so much better. You put Brandstrom and Zub in there and, oh my God, look at this team play. Now all you got to do is get Wolanin in there uh, ahead of <clears throat> Mike Riley. Holy smokes. Uh, and then maybe you've got the makings of something back there. What do you suppose DJ Smith sees in Mike Riley? Because if I'm to go through the blue line of the Ottawa Senators and start pulling guys out. Looks like Coburn is on the outs. Jeff uh, or Josh Brown looks like he's on the outs for now. Um, quite frankly, Mike Riley would have been the first name to come to my lips when somebody said, hey, which defenseman do you think we should take out tonight? Yeah, I, I, I'm in total agreement. And we've talked about it every week on this on this very, uh, this very podcast. He has just not looked good. That search party that we need to get together so they can go out and try to find Derek Stepan's missing couple of steps also needs to go try to find Mike Riley's game. And, and well, now maybe we don't need them so much to go find a save or two for Matt Murray. But uh, Riley, my God, he's been horrible and yet still stays in the lineup every night. I, I can't explain it. There was one moment where the Habs are diligently trying to get back in the game in the third period, and I don't know who it was who was sprinting down the right wing, but he almost just skated by Mike Riley simply because of the awkwardness of the turn as he's, he's going yeah. one-on-one with him, and he almost blew right past him. And it was just, there's so many moments of awkwardness in every single game, whether it's with handling the puck or whether it's footwork. I just, I'm, it blows my mind that DJ Smith <laughs> continues on with this player. And the number of times that he falls, like, holy smokes, you know, there's a garage sale every second to shift when he's striding up the ice, it seems. And I just, whatever, for whatever reason, there was an interesting tweet from Sean Simpson tonight. I don't know if you saw that. And Simmer was saying, whoever in the organization who had, uh, let's see, it was Artie, and uh, uh, Brown and Coburn, whoever had those three ahead of White and Zub and Brandstrom should be showing the door. <laughs> and I, I yeah. kind of tend to agree. Like now that you've seen pretty much everybody that they've got, including everybody in the taxi squad, it's like, how did they start the year with the lineup they started with? We're going to see more changes. Obviously, you mentioned already, you've still got Logan Brown there. You've still got Alex Formanton there. I think those are the two names in Belleville that everybody kind of like would like to see, uh, do they decide, okay, we're back home now. Uh, we're going to have a look at these guys. And also, by the way, also news that happened between now and our last episode, the American Hockey League. It ain't happening for the Canadian teams, not anytime soon. The The league starts today. It starts on Friday, February 5th, and all the American teams go off, but the Canadian teams do not. So you got these guys, these these really nice prospects in Belleville, that uh, on top of everything else, they, they may not be developing for a little while yet. There might be some rust happening. Uh, so better to get them playing some hockey than than rotting away down in, in you know playing practice only at the Sensplex. Yeah, there's got to find a way. I don't know. This is the same thing we cautioned about last week, having too many young guys in there at the same time. But if you can find a way to get Formanton and Brown in, I don't know who comes out, you know, is, is, is it a Cedric Paquette who was flipped out for the, for the toilet seat Galchenyuk tonight? Is it Derek Stepan who maybe you, you just, you just buy him out or wave him or trade him or something. I don't know. Um, I don't think it's Austin Watson. I've been happy with his play. So 
I don't know. You, you want to get Brown in? Yes, agreed. But who comes out? You want to get Formington in? Yeah, agreed. But who comes out? So I'm not sure who, who how you juggle that around, but it would be great to see them in there. Yeah. Yep. No question. So we'll see what their plans are in the coming days. And, uh, you know, I hate to spend a lot of time on the negatives because uh, as we record this, there's finally a positive to absorb. <laughs> Certainly true. the big picture, the big picture is negative for sure, but that was a positive. And of course, you know, two teams that are polar opposites, the Sens went into the game with a record of one, uh, one, eight and one. And Montreal was something like seven, one and two. There's no way in hell the Ottawa Senators win that game, but somehow some way they did. But I think the biggest factor um, is that they were getting some NHL goaltending tonight. Finally, Matt Murray has a good hockey game between the pipes for the Sens. Maybe a thought from you on the performance. Yeah, the biggest thing was it was it was uneventful. How's that for the for the phrase? Just right. a, a solid night, you know. Uh, um, as as a as a mutual friend of ours would say, he was saving the savables. And uh, not so much juggling, not so much losing sight of it, not so much scrambling around, just in the right place, calm, collected, and and stopping the puck. You know, there, there weren't second chances, there weren't rebounds, um, there weren't clear cut, oh my God, this guy's going to score no problem. Uh, even the goal, I, I, I debated, I watched the rebound, the replay a couple times, it looked like it did hit him and then came out to Gallagher. But even that, you can't necessarily fault him on that. I don't know that he really saw the shot coming. He just had a really calm, efficient night without any events happening around him. It was nice to see. And what a relief it is for Sens fans, who I think were looking at that contract, four years, $25 million, and he's only seven starts into said contract. Um, Is he a bust? Is he done? Certainly, I'm not sure I've cleared him as, you know, being the, you know, now he's a superstar again. But for one night anyway, uh, he was terrific. And uh, moving forward, that's the kind of goaltending that this team is going to need uh, if they have any shot of winning on any given night. <laughs> yes, yes. Couldn't have come at a better time. It, it would be even better if there were actually fans in the building. Now you get to come home and play in front of fans. What is it, Sunday afternoon? Or are they still on the road Sunday afternoon? I'm not even sure. They've been away so long. Yeah. But it'd be the perfect time to get home, right? Yep. That'll be a Saturday afternoon game against the Habs. Uh, Sorry, yes. No worries. o'clock. Yep. And um, so I got Matt Murray as one of the top three players in the game. Uh, one of them is actually not a player. Uh, I've got Tim Stutzla with a three-point effort. And, uh, of course, Matt Murray. And the third one would be the Sens penalty kill on the evening. You know, killing off a five-on-three, a couple of late power plays in the third. That was nice to see that they have their act together uh, for a night anyway on the PK. Yeah, four for four in the PK. And you know what else was nice tonight? 57% in the faceoff dot tonight, too. I don't know if you knew that one. That was nice to see, too. Two big things that needed some improvement. Gosh, I, I bet. I mean, I didn't look up the stat because we basically went right into the studio here after the game, and I didn't look up the stat. But, uh, no, I didn't feel like that. I felt like the ones I noticed, I guess, I was just noticing at the wrong time. But it seemed like there was some key faceoffs. Like, oh, man, are they going to have another tough night here in the dot? So I'm surprised, actually, to hear you say the Sens yeah. did that well tonight. Yeah. That's right out of uh, NHL.com, 57% to 43%. Very nice. Nice to see. Yeah. Nice to see the kid continuing to roll on. It seems like he gets better every game, more confidence. Um, he had a three-point evening. One of my favorite moments had nothing to do with the scoring. was down late in the game. 
and uh, Stutzla had the puck in the defensive zone down in the corner, and he just completely made a couple of guys look ridiculous with the stick handling. It was uh, it's just like you know one of your guys in practice with uh, you know a tight cone drill or something like that. Just the hands were just ridiculous. I mean, special player and uh, a special evening for him. His best so far as a pro. Maybe a thought from you on Tim Stutzla's game tonight. Really, really nice goal. I, like he he picked the short side. I don't know what was more impressive, his shot the short side or the pass that set it up from Batherson right across the through the seam, firm, hard on the tape, and Stutzler just turned. He had enough time to take a look and to beat Carey Price in the short side like that. That it was a nice goal, but the pass was just as impressive. I don't know that there's any other forward on their team that could have made the pass that Stutzler made. I'm talking about his pass now. The pass that Stutzler made on the um, on the Shabbat goal. Uh, nice, long, firm, strong pass, tape to tape, through the middle of the ice, found a seam. Just something that not many other players, I don't even know that they would attempt it uh, from this team. You know, it was just really nice. The kid had a great game. He, I thought he was their best player uh, last game and uh, continued it tonight, didn't he? Yeah, it's a pretty close call. Um, I love Matt Murray's night. Uh, I guess it was because he doesn't have a tough act to follow. Uh, but that was so welcome. I just feel so good about Matt Murray having a good game, but you're right. I think Tim Stutzla is uh, your number one star in that game for sure. Uh, I want to bounce it back to talk a little bit more about Eric Brandstrom. Do you not have any concerns about the player's size? Because he is, I mean, I looked at him beside Gallagher tonight and we know how short Gallagher is. Like he might be shorter than Gallagher. And for an NHL defenseman, that's going to put you in some awkward situations from time to time. And, I mean, from a defensive standpoint, is going to have to have a massive reliance on body position. It's it's not just that he's short; it's that he looks pretty slight too, right? Like he doesn't exactly look heavy. He's not carrying a lot of upper body strength. He doesn't look like he's got the big strong legs. You know, you think of a um, uh, is it Ryan Ellis, the, the yeah. smaller defenseman with uh, Nashville, right? But he 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 looks like a like a fire hydrant. In comparison, right? You know, I, I see more of um, Boston's had a had. Uh, which one is it in Boston? Who's kind of smallish size? Um, I'm drawing blanks tonight, aren't I? I'm so so keyed in on the Tory Krug tonight. Tory Krug is the one that's slight, that's closer to a Brandstrom. Um, he's got to rely on his feet. He's got to rely on his brains, right? He's got to he's got to rely on body position, stick position, and and so far, you know. I'm, Small sample size, one game tonight, but he looks one hell of a lot better than he looked last year in a, in a, in again, a smaller sample size. So, um, you know, maybe he's found the right way around these sorts of things and there's going to be nights and there's going to be shifts where we're going to be going, Oh my God, look at this. But, um, hopefully there's something to build on here from tonight's performance. So many people will say things like, Oh, the pressure on the kid. That's the guy they gave up for Mark's or got for Mark Stone. And so what, oh my God, there must be a lot of pressure on him. Like, do you buy into that? Or is that a fan I, and media driven thing? I don't know that the player cares about that. The player had nothing to do with that. I mean, all, all he knows is he's here to play and he wants to play and he's going to do the best he can. I don't think he would feel the last thing a player is going to do is find a way to put undue extra pressure on himself. I don't think that would enter any player's mind. No, I, I 
maybe if you're the the bigger, better player, like maybe Mark Stone, a player, like if there's a trade that involves an established player for a prospect, then maybe the established player might feel some pressure at some point. Like, oh my God, I better make sure I, I live up to this. They gave up this future star, but I can't see Eric Brandstrom feeling any pressure from that. You don't still think have- would, would you? No, no, I think, uh, I think, I think it's just the opposite. Like, I think he comes in relatively pressure free. I don't think he factors in how he got to the organization the way so many fans and media do. I think he came in in a perfect situation. The team was in a nine game losing slide and the guy he replaced just went on waivers. So again, <laughs> back to that, doesn't exactly have a tough act to follow. Um, Cause I think that's what young players are always worried about is when they arrive at a new level, they, they second-guess themselves wondering, do I belong at this level? Am I good enough to play with these guys? And from that perspective, when you think about the team's fortunes and the fortunes of the player that he's replacing, again, who's on waivers and uh, had a couple of plays in that last game where you're just like, whoa, that's an NHL defenseman? Um, <laughs> that's a perfect situation, I think, for a young player to come in just totally relaxed. Exactly. And, and, you know, and, and he's not an idiot. He can see that, you know what, I think I've got a little more skill than some of these guys. If I just come in here and do my thing, I don't try to do whatever it is that the guy I'm replacing was here to do. I just do what I do, do it the best I can. Then I'm going to get more minutes and more opportunities and be able to show that I belong. And that's what it looked like tonight. He had power play time. He killed some penalty. He had some PK time. I, I remember one shift he was on a Shabbat on the PK. Um, hey, he fits right in. He looks good. Leave him there. Let him play. Let him get comfortable. And we finally got to see good Brandstrom. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's the perfect defenseman when you get down to it. Our concern yeah. we just talked about with, uh, you know, that's the name for the pairing, of course. But I was thinking about that's also the name of the perfect defenseman because Brandstrom comes with unbelievable vision and puck skill and all the offense you want out of a blue liner, but very small. Whereas yeah. good Branson, he's the, you know, he's everything that Brandstrom is missing. So that'd be the perfect defenseman if you could put together good Brandstrom. But uh, yeah, I mean, I thought, uh, I thought the defense overall played pretty well tonight. Still not a fan of number five, but Overall, it's coming. It's a, it's a work in progress, but it's getting there. Uh, I like the penalty kill, as I mentioned. And what I didn't quite get when we're talking about special teams is what is DJ Smith up to there with 25 seconds left in the game? <laughs> oh, geez. It's like a 3-2 like lead, and you have a 5-on-3, and you call a timeout? To get the old whiteboard out? Here's the play, fellas. Play freaking keep away. Yeah. I was I was watching as when the whistle blew, I turned to the, again the two guys I was watching the game with and I said, uh, so what are they got a five on three offensive zone face off? Yeah, less than 30 seconds left. I think they can actually win this one. And then comes this timeout, and I'm going, like, what are they doing? doing yeah and they're drawing up a play like how okay fine just let montreal win it and everybody pull out and stand at the blue line then how's that like (laughs) do you really need to draw something up you know that that was very strange i don't think it was paul mcclain calling a timeout in (laughs) like a you know five or six one lead in the midst of a playoff victory remember how michelle terrian took great exception to that no respect 
Um, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, Paul McLean being the wily sort he is, I don't think he minded uh, rubbing yeah. salt in that wound that night. But uh, I don't know, it kind of gave me that that same kind of a vibe, but I don't think it was the same intent to do that. I think that uh, DJ Smith just really, really wanted to make sure they, they polished that thing off. But I thought that was silly, really. Which broadcast were you watching? I was watching the Habs broadcast with uh, Mike here. Johnson. Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson says, "Well, you know, never, never a bad time for a teachable moment, I guess, or something." That was his, that was his crack. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Isn't it interesting how? Um, I mean, it's it's the Habs on TSN, right? It, right? it really is interesting to see how the analysts really tailor the broadcast tone toward the team that they're they're covering. I mean, I, that's that's understandable. It's a, it's kind of regional. But anytime you're, you know, looking at the away team and listening to the home broadcast, you're kind of going, "Okay, fellas, settle down <laughs> a little bit. Don't you know, get your pom poms out here." Yeah, it doesn't seem that way when it's when it's Chris Cuthbert or Gord Miller. It, it doesn't I don't, like when it's a national broadcast. It's different. But when you're watching these regional games, and because of where I am, I, I I've I'm only watching home broadcasts. Right, that's all I can seem to get. Right. So I, I've I've listened to the the Edmonton guys. Uh, poor Bob Stoffer. is is his name changed now to Dodonov? Were oh you watching God. that broadcast too? Yeah, yeah. How long like, does the guy have to be in the league before you get that pronunciation right? Yeah, like I'm thinking. Well, he even made a comment during the game that Marcus Hogberg now wishes to be called Marcus Hogberg. Well, that's been his name all along. It's just Pierre Dorian who can't say it right, right? He's always been a Hogberg. Um, but this whole Dadanov versus, D- D- how, do you, how do you say it again? Dadanov. Yeah. Dadanov. Like, what the hell is that? I, that was bugging me watching the two Oiler games. Well, if you're going back to that game, the one that bugged me was the, I think it's uh, Mike Futa, LA Kings assistant oh, general yeah. manager of the past. To go, yeah, to go and, uh, to go and go on this rant about the Ottawa Senators and what they're missing is to bring in veteran leadership. Like that's the big thing that this team needs right now. When the entire world, certainly Sens Nation, is clamoring for a youth movement, this guy's on national TV talking about how the Sens are dropping the ball because they didn't pick up any veteran leadership. I mean, are you, I, what what are you doing? Like, yeah, I mean, come on, man. You like pick up a paper or something. <laughs> Sorry, I got some Jim Jerome lung butter there, <laughs> but, um, but the, and his suggestions were like Todd Lewis, and Trevor, was Trevor Lewis? Sorry, and who was the other guy? His his suggestions he wanted Corey were like, Perry. He wanted Trevor Lewis and Nate Thompson. Yeah, like okay, been there, done that with Nate Thompson. Uh, Trevor Lewis, okay, whatever. <laughs> this is a team where, where, where if they if they did anything in the offseason, it was bring in veteran leadership, and he wants us to go find more. Or, or it, Like, he never even seemed to, to acknowledge that they did bring in veteran leadership. He just yeah. said they need to find veteran leadership. And he spent the whole time looking down. Like, I was standing there. I was snapping my fingers going, Foots, Foots, camera's over here. Look up, Foots. And he yeah. just never seemed to lift his head up and look at the camera. Can you imagine the reaction of Sens Nation if, oh, if Pierre Dorian tomorrow announced three trades? Uh, yes, we're very pleased to to bring in Corey Perry, Trevor Lewis, and Nate Thompson. Can you imagine the reaction right now? 
Oh, three more guys blocking the path to the NHL of the kids. Great. <laughs> like five minutes ago, we were discussing, okay, how can we get uh, – get Logan Brown and Alex Formanton into the lineup. And I'm thinking it's pot, it's Cedric Paquette and it's, it's a Derek Stepan. It's Galchenyuk. Somebody's got to come out to get these guys in. Yep. But instead this guy's on TV saying they need more veteran leadership. Yeah, please. Anyway, yeah. uh, we're off track here, but let's get yeah, back so uh, to the Sens game. And uh, the one other thing about the specific game against Montreal, again, a three, two win over the Habs was a moment in the game where Thomas Shabbat is down low near the Montreal net uh, and attacking. He's got the puck. And Alexander Romanov, who looks like he's going to be a pretty good defenseman from what I can see. I haven't seen a ton of him, but I liked him tonight. Um, But Romanov comes across and gets him with a clean shoulder, really hard hit, and Shabbat goes down in a heap. Nick Paul comes over and takes great exception to it and uh, tries to get into it with Romanov. Uh, It was another Montreal Canadian who came in and uh, prevented Paul from doing much of anything. But uh, I got a bit of pushback when I said I love that. I love to see Paul coming to Thomas Shabbat's defense. And I think it's a it's a big debate point among hockey fans right now. Some people say, oh, my God, it's a clean hit. Do we have to get in a fight after every clean hit? And uh, despite that, I mean, I know people feel that way, but I, I, I felt like you have exceptions. It's a clean hit, yes. But if the hit is hard enough and it's on a star player, then I don't mind a reaction like that. Because God knows a lot of the same fans would be crying blue murder if nobody came to Thomas Shabbat's defense and, you know, he's down on the ice and gone for two months with some kind of injury. Well, and I agree with you. And normally I would I would be with those fans saying, hey, it's a clean check, like get lost, leave the guy alone. But you're right, there are exceptions. And in this case, you're dealing with a team here where emotions are fragile, where you know one little thing could set things off and, and people start barking at each other and, and your team cohesion goes out the window. It was nice to see that they're still together, they're still a group, and, and Nick Paul stepping up for, for arguably their best player and saying, hey, pal, that's not the right guy for you to be running on. Right. And not to mention the team-building angle. Like Thomas Shabbat, how does, you know, what's his reaction when Nick Paul comes to his defense like that? Clean hit or dirty hit? Guys appreciate that stuff. I remember being, you know, because I was was a small kid. And when I was about 15, I was the size of an 11-year-old. I can play (laughs) a little, but man, when I got hit, I got hit. And uh, I had a guy that I always played with. And I loved that guy to pieces because he'd always be there to take up after me. And uh I'm, I'm sure it, I'm sure that continues on into your later years as well. Um, that's got to and, and, and let's be honest, Thomas Shabbat and Nick Paul are going to be part of this core moving forward. So when I see guys like that who are going to be part of the future, taking up for each other, I think that's a good thing in the big picture. Yeah, like I said, especially in the middle of a seven game or eight game, however many game losing streak they're yeah. on, you know, it shows that emotionally um, Nick Paul is still engaged. He's still part of this team and he still cares and, and he's going to step up. You know, it would have been so easy for somebody to just say, ah, screw it, you know, and turn away and say, you know, who cares? But no, he, he stepped up and, and delivered a message. And it's it's good to see the cohesion, the, the team building, however you want to word it. It's an intangible that's required of a of any type of a championship or caliber, high caliber hockey team. And it's good to see that it, it's still there despite the current situation with the record. All right. Changing gears here. 
and the Sens getting ready for the next game against Montreal on Saturday afternoon. I know a lot of Sens fans have a big problem with the Ottawa Senators' power play breakout. It seems like every team in the NHL is doing it, and that's basically a man brings the puck out of the defensive zone, into the neutral zone, and then finally when he's challenged and starts to run out of space, he'll then do a drop pass, or even sometimes, as saw the Habs do this a lot tonight, a bank pass off the boards. And people hate it. A lot of people hate it. <laughs> but um, I don't know. What do you think of it? I like it personally. What do you think of it? And maybe put on your coaching hat. You are certified by Hockey Canada up the wazoo as a coach. <laughs> maybe give us a feel for the Why? strategy behind the drop pass on the power play breakout. Yeah. First of all, good for you for noticing that little bank pass. I was going to mention that too. That was a neat little wrinkle tonight because too many guys want to turn and and make that pass in the middle of the ice backwards right. down, down the middle of the ice, which can be scary at times. The reason that it's done is that your average standard everyday NHL team is going to send one four checker in very passively. He's just going to do a high curl and he's basically going to turn at center ice and skate backwards. And by the time you get to the offensive blue line, there are four bad guys lined up across that line. So to counter that, you have the one guy break out with the puck, drop it back, and there's two guys coming up the ice. Generally, they're coming skating on the dot lines. If you can picture a line going through all the face-off dots up the left side of the ice and another one up the right side of the ice. These two guys are running up the ice on the dot lines. Is drop back to them. They've got a good head of speed going, good head of steam going. When they approach the blue line, it's just a matter of making one little pass either to the guy on the boards who's standing there at the blue line and his stick is inside the zone. So I'm just going to make a little dish over to the side and we're in, or I'm going to pass it cross ice quickly to the second guy who's skating up the middle of the ice with me. It's just one pass beats a four checker. That little pass, a shuttle pass, not even five feet is going to get you past the four guys standing up across the blue line and into the zone. And the problem is that when it doesn't work, when that guy who makes the first drop pass makes a bad pass, everybody rolls their eyes and says, oh my God, this stupid breakout, I can't stand this. But when it does work, they don't even notice. Right. You didn't even notice that the 20 seconds earlier on that entry, they went in smooth as silk and set up no problem. Trust me, when it's done properly and you execute a sh short little tape-to-tape -tape pass through the neutral zone there, it's perfect and it works every time. Right, and it also, everything you said is... Uh Absolutely correct. The other thing it does, it sort of resets everything and gives you the entirety of the ice back, right? Because that first guy's coming through with the puck and he's starting to be squeezed off to the, toward the boards. Well, now you're now you've limited options if you're going to try and make any plays with that drop yep. pass. The guy who's coming up and receives that pass, well, now he's got the entirety, the whole width of the ice to work with, and that obviously is going to be a lot easier to try and get into the zone from that yeah, perspective and, as well. And he's built up a great head of steam going before he gets that drop pass he's skating at pretty good speed and it's just a matter of if if he if he's Connor mcdavid he just keeps skating with speed and it enters the zone himself but as he approaches the blue line if he doesn't have the speed of a mcdavid he doesn't have to try to dangle around somebody you've got guys on each side waiting on the blue line on the walls and you're just going to make a little five footer to that guy and he's just going to chip it in or he's going to bank it back to you or he's just going to stand there stop 
everybody's going to skate by him and he's in the zone with the puck on his stick. You just, the whole idea of a power play breakout is to uh, maintain possession through the offensive blue line and establish offensive zone presence. And don't be concerned with trying to score off the rush. Don't be concerned with trying to set up some fancy three on two with some tic-tac-toe. Just think of it as the objective here is to gain the offensive blue line with possession. And when it's done right, it works every time. It looks perfect. As far as defending it goes, you'll sometimes see guys start to cheat. They'll send a four checker who allows the first guy to come through. And he kind of just bleeds somewhere between that lane where the drop pass is about to happen. And if the first guy is able to read that ahead of time, then, well, it's all the easier to get in. But when teams haven't done this particular breakout much, that's when it can go badly because uh, they won't necessarily read the play and react accordingly. They'll still try and cram that drop pass in because, well, that's what I always do. But a good power play quarterback will see that that's occurring and realize, okay, well, I, that guy's taken himself out of the equation and we can just proceed on straight to the blue line without exactly. the pass. It's, it's all about read and react, right? You read where the pressure's coming from and you make a decision. What do I do under this conditions here? And if F1, the first four checker, is blowing by you because he's going to go play the drop pass guy before you even drop it, then duh, don't drop it. Just keep skating. You know, you, you, you started off this whole thing saying that that first guy leaving his own, he basically carry till challenged right? Carry the puck until you're challenged in some way, shape, or form, and then look for the drop pass. But if you're not challenged, then just keep carrying the puck and enter the zone yourself. Okay. So hopefully that wasn't too technical because (laughs) it is something that I think a lot of Sens fans react to. They don't know why they're doing that. Uh, And even if you didn't buy in or understand everything we just talked about, then ask yourself one question. Why is it almost universally being used by every hockey team (laughs) in the NHL right now. I don't know that there's anybody that's not doing it. It's been a while since I saw a team do something other than the drop pass on the power play. Have you seen anybody this season not doing it? Only the Oilers where McDavid just carries it himself, right? (laughs) Yeah, that (laughs) was a beauty. Um, But Yeah, but generally speaking, if as long as teams are going to play, try to play four across the blue line, their own blue line, then this is the best way to beat it until somebody comes up with the next best way to beat it. Because the whole idea of a soft dump in the corner, eh, you know, maybe that's that's plan B, right? If, if we attack with speed and I just throw a high sauce dump into the corner and these two guys who are there for the drop pass just go hard up the middle of the ice and they're F1 and F2 in on the forecheck, then there's another way to, to maintain, get possession of the puck. But you had to give it up in the first place, right? You had to dump it in to nobody and hope to get it back. Whereas this is a, a way of trying to maintain possession through the neutral zone and into the zone. Oh, I love this stuff. I get <laughs> I hope we're not getting too technical, but uh, yeah, I, I miss talking about all this stuff on the coaching front for sure. Uh, we've got an email segment now, Greg. Oh, nice. Yeah. So let's get some emails in here. I invited folks at the end of the Sens-Habs game uh, to send along their emails, commentary about what they saw in this evening's game and uh, what's going on in the big picture with the Sens. Got one here from Jake, and uh, it's, uh, guys, it was great to watch and enjoy a win tonight. Some thoughts? It was Murray's best game by far this year. Derek Stepan needs to be banned. That's a bit much. Banned. Uh, Can't even come to the rink. You're banned. Uh, Tim Stitzler, very good. Again, that's four goals in a row he's been in on. 
Sitting Paquette needs to continue. Get Stutzla over to center. Bring in Formanton and Logan Brown. And as soon as Willannon is ready, put him in for Riley. I think there's a lot there that you and I have already talked about and agree with. But the one that we didn't talk about is Stutzla. Is he ready to move over to center ice, in your opinion? I honestly don't know. I've never seen him play center at this level. I just think that right now you've you've solidified center ice. You finally figured out that Derek Stepan does not belong in your first line and probably doesn't belong in your second line. So you've established that Tierney's you're in your three hole. You've established that Norris and Brown are one A and one B, or sorry, Norris and um, White are one A and one B, and you've settled in Stepan on the fourth line. Great, perfect. Do you now want to tinker with that and start moving? Stutzla into center ice. I, I I don't think this is the time for it, but I do agree that at some point, yes, we want to see him play center. But right now we're talking about trying to find a way to get Logan Brown into the lineup. He's going in for either Tierney or uh, or Stepon. You know, maybe you, you sit a step on and you, you dress Logan Brown and, and you can flip and flop Tierney and, and Logan Brown between third line and fourth line. But um, I don't think it's time to move Stutzla to center just yet. The, line, the, lay, the lineup, uh, I'm all for experimentation, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not in any hurry for it at this stage in that Stutzler seems to be finding his way where he is right now. Um, but I also take some cues from the kid himself if uh, if he's really hell-bent. Oh, sure. I know his goal is to play center in the NHL. That's his preference. If he's really hell-bent on it, then, uh, then it's a discussion to have. Uh, but, but right now, I don't feel any compulsion to do it. But Jake has his lineup. He said, I'd like to see Norris in between Kachuk and Dadnov, Stutzla in between Formanton and Batherson, Logan mm. Brown between Paul and Connor Brown, and Tierney between Watson and Galchenyuk. Sign me yeah. up for that, Jake says. No, I'd, I'd, I'd have anybody there ahead of Galchenyuk. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'd, I'd have uh, Paquette there, or I'd have, uh, there's somebody else he, he didn't mention. That I was thinking of. Who's missing from the? Yeah, but there's 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 definitely other options on your fourth line left wing other than the toilet seat. Right. Well, I, I mean, the toilet seat generally goes up and down. I'm I'm seeing more down right now. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the toilet seat's mostly down most of the time, unless you're just a terrible person and you don't care about your uh, wife at all. But uh, but I mean, I think it's a case of um, I just see I see one in four games that he's noticeable and then the rest of the time oh yeah I see why uh, he's been uh, sliding through the league the way he has he hasn't come in with the Anthony Duclair epiphany that I think a lot of fans had hoped by the way Duclair's off to a hell of a start suddenly he's a setup man six assists in the first five games in Florida (laughs) he was Cy Young last year yeah exactly go figure (laughs) it yeah and uh, one more here from uh, Caleb Smith. Good game for Matt Murray with support from the defense. Great to see Mark Mathot, or I mean Artem Zub, move up with Thomas Shabbat. <laughs> yeah. I say get Tim Stutzla on White's wing and the Paul Tierney Brown line back together at home. That is from Caleb. Have a good night, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, I think Zub is absolutely right now. Got to be an every night player from what I've seen. Oh, for sure. Like again, like we talked about earlier in the show, he brings the size of Coburn, but he brings the mobility of a Shabbat 
or or a Brandstrom. He's got some feet. He's he's agile. He's mobile. Uh, he's got a little bit more offensive upside than the Caleb's uh, comparison to Mark Mathot. Uh, he does have a little bit of a mean streak, but it's nowhere near the level of a Mark Mathot. So the the comparison isn't truly a hundred percent correct. But is he the guy to play someday with Thomas Shabbat all night every night? Possibly. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to anoint him a, a Mark Mathot 2.0 yeah. just yet. Or uh, who was the guy? Philip Kuba was an early partner yeah. for Eric Carlson. But uh, happy-go-lucky agrees on Twitter. Yep, Zub is the perfect partner for Shabbat. Brandstrom, good Branson, complement each other. White trying to win a face-off on the power play in his zone with a 3-1 lead is junior league stuff. Tie the guy up 50-50 so you don't lose it and let your teammates come in and collect the puck. And then he continues with Stutzla needs to play center and let him roll. Any goalie looks better when you play compact and team defense. And finally, Zub is better than you guys think. Don't get drawn into, well, he was only in the KHL crap. So your timing is really poor there, happy-go-lucky, because we literally just talked about how much we both like <laughs> Artem Zub. Yeah, and I don't know that we ever were were negative about him. I think we were both of the same opinion. Like, we just haven't seen him other than a little bit of video. Right. We hadn't been able to see the kid play. Um, but we did know that many teams were interested, that there was a bit of a bidding war, and that the Senators were were fortunate to get him. And now, with with two games under his belt, he looks he looks good to me. Uh, agreed with with what what most of these emailers have been saying, but let's not quite uh, jump to anything yet. Maybe maybe give him a, a a month in the show first before we we decide that he's the next coming of Mark Mathot. Yeah, and finally, uh, as we wrap up the show, we'll uh, leave final word to LT, a long uh, long time listener to the to the old show. Uh, can DJ keep his bloody mask on when he's barking at the team? Seriously, my kids right now are saying, hey, DJ doesn't keep his mask on. Why should we? And uh, in all seriousness, he might find himself in trouble before long. We saw what the NFL has done with some of their coaches for not adhering to the mask rules. And he's got that thing off all the time for drinking and worse for barking at the players as well when there's spit coming out and all that. Um that that is something the NHL will probably warn him about before long if he, if they have not already. Yeah, like I don't understand why people do that. There's lots of people do that. Pull the mask down when they want to speak. The whole point is that I don't want anything coming out of your mouth near me, including your words most of the time. But I really don't want that. Keep the damn thing on. Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool to see the rink with no glass, huh? Behind the bench, old school. The NHL did, uh, mandated that today. They took the glass out behind the benches to help with air circulation or airflow or something. They think that's going to help uh, fight COVID in some way. But it was like old school. With a, you know, Claude Julien at one point had his arm resting up there. He looked like Scotty Bowman. I think there'll be a few more puck over glass calls then as a result of it. <laughs> no, it's only behind the bench. Uh, so let us call it quits right there. And before we go, just a reminder that if you're enjoying what we offer here, you can help keep us rolling by sharing the show with your friends and your followers. Our website is sendsnationhockey.com. Uh, but we'll call it quits right there. Have a terrific week, and we'll talk to you next time here on sendsnationhockey.com. Thanks, Steve. Good night now.